today on It's Time. The Bible actually says, Jesus said that your heavenly Father knows your needs before you ask. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the New Testament book of Acts. So follow along as we join Pastor Mike. But I really believe the reason that God doesn't give us the whole plan, and it doesn't matter, friends, whether you're Samuel in the Old Testament or Philip, God just gives us enough for each day. Give us this day, Jesus said, our daily bread. Now, the reason why is this. First of all, I think God knows we're kind of simple sometimes. If I gave you the whole plan, you'd forget half of it, you know? I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is that God loves talking to you and to me. And so by God just giving us a little bit each day keeps us coming back because God loves the fellowship. You see, a lot of times you say, well, God, thanks for the instructions. I'll talk to you in a month. (laughs) No, God knows how to keep us coming back. Why? Because if we break fellowship with God, we drift away. You break the rope off of a boat that's moored, that boat will drift. I shared the story before. I was up at Anderson Ranch Dam, dropped an anchor. Staying all night on the boat. And I woke up in the morning, the anchor would pull loose, and I, instead of being in this little cove that I was in, I was out in the middle of the lake. I didn't even know where I was. Just drifting. But when we came, maybe I should say, when we come to Christ on a regular daily basis, it keeps us anchored so we don't drift away. Because we need to be reminded. And so God just says to Saul, you go into Damascus. And then I'll tell you what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Now, in uh, Acts 22, it talks a little bit about more of this. They didn't understand the phonetics. They heard the words, or maybe I should say they heard the voice, but they couldn't make out what was being said. Why is that? Well, I believe it's because of this. God has a message for just you. I like that. If you look at Acts 22, we won't look at it tonight because we're going to run out of time. But if you look at Acts 22, the Bible there t- says that the others with him heard, but they, they couldn't understand. The, no one else could really under, hear them because they didn't understand the words. It's because God's message is for you. You can't wear somebody else's shoes. You have to go to God and get God's marching orders for your life. You can't steal somebody else's. That's why fresh inspiration is, I think, one of the things that will make the difference in any person's life. Rather than just doing the day-to-day thing, saying, God, what do you want to do new in my life today? That daily relationship with God is so important. So, he had friends with him going to accost Christians, but... um, They were freaked out over it. Then Saul arose from the ground 
Some people say, well, what was he doing on the ground? Well, I don't know what this was. Whatever it was, it had to be overwhelming. I don't think Paul would have just fell down on the ground for no reason. Some people say, well, could it be an illustration of being slain in the Spirit? Now, of course, we have real illustrations of being slain in the Spirit, like Ananias and Sapphira when they lied about how much land, and they literally were slain in the Spirit. They died. But I will say this is probably a verse that might possibly be used in that way. The overwhelming Shekinah glory of God overwhelms a person. It kind of shorts out your circuits and you just fall down. Well, after the Lord was done speaking with him, he gets up. And his eyes were opened and saw no one. And they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. Now, this is funny. This bright light shone. The Bible says this bright light shone. And usually if somebody shines a flashlight in your eyes, what do you do? Other than hit him. Um, when somebody shines a flashlight in your eyes, you usually go, yay! You know, remember when you were in high school, you know, your mom would come in, flip on the lights, you know, and you ah, turn it out, you know. Well, even with his eyes closed, God was speaking to him. Well, he tells him here. It says that he rose from the ground, his eyes were, st- were open, but he saw no one. Why? He was blind. That's why. Now, I I believe this has a multifaceted reason why. He opens his eyes, sees no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. Now, this guy that was going to come in Damascus and slaughter the Christians, rather than coming in like a valiant warrior, now is led by the hand because he's blind. I think there's a couple of reasons. First off, we find this other instances in the Bible. Um... Him being blind, I think, was to remind Saul that wasn't indigestion or a bad pepperoni pizza you ate. In other words, it was so dynamic in his life that it blinded him. So he couldn't just go, you know, I don't know what that was, but I'm all right now. Let's go kill more Christians, you know, kind of thing. He was incapacitated because of his blindness. And it didn't just last one day. And as a matter of fact, it was three days He was in a blinded condition. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute because we know that Jesus um, died on the cross and he rose victorious, a risen Savior. We find three days Saul being blind. We find then Saul being a brand new creature in him, being filled with the Spirit. Well, it says, let him by the hand. (laughs) I I think there's a lot of things here going on. So we know that God did this, the blindness, I I believe, to remind Saul, hey, this wasn't a dream. It wasn't indigestion. And probably in the second day, Saul was probably wondering, will I ever see again? If you're blind for a day, two days, third day, you probably are getting to the point where you're thinking, you know what? Maybe maybe it's, it's selling pencils time, you know? Well, I think the other reason was it, in, it reduced Saul from being a threat to the other Christians. Because when they heard Saul was coming their way, that struck fear. As we read in chapter 8, he went into houses breaking them up, and it said hauling off men and women. He made no, no differentiation between the two. He, he would persecute anybody, anything. So, 
Verse 9. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. There was a lot of things going on in Saul's life at this moment. He he couldn't see. He lost his appetite. Probably wondering what in the world is going on. Close encounters of the real kind talk to Jesus, the very one he's been out persecuting. And Jesus took it personally and said, why are you persecuting me? Well, verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple. It's kind of amazing here. He wasn't an apostle. He was just a disciple. You know what? You're disciples too. Now this is important because we find that not only would God speak to the apostles, that 11 that was left, or 12 if you count Matthias, but we find Jesus also speaks to followers of his called disciples like you and me. And there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias and said to him, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here am I, Lord. Now, this is important because at the first beckoning call of Christ, we find a response. And unlike Samuel, the first time God called him when he was in Eli's house in the temple, He came running in and he said, Eli, you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. This happened a couple times until finally Eli said, listen, if you hear that voice again, say, yes, Lord, here am I. And that's exactly what happened. He did. And the Lord said, I got something to tell you concerning the house of Eli. Well, anyhow, it says that he said, here am I, Lord. That's a real response of a servant. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight. Inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarshish. For behold, he's praying. Wow. You see, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have text messages. And yet, God was able to communicate at that moment what was going on in a spiritual realm. Always remember that God has a different way of communicating than the world does. And that's always an encouragement, especially when things or times get rough. And so he said, behold, he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so he might receive his sight. So Saul is praying. And while he's praying, God is giving him a vision of what's about to happen. Now, I like what Ananias here says, because I relate with this. Maybe you do too. Then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man and how much harm he's done to your saints in in Jerusalem. He's saying, God, I'm scared. I I like that. I like it for a couple reasons. First, disciples of Jesus can be honest with Jesus. Now, sometimes when people pray, uh, they make, uh, Jesus warned about that. He says, be, be, don't be like the Pharisees, making a long pretense in their prayers, you know. Oh God, thou art above all gods, far beyond the cosmos and beyond, the, you know, and inside we're going, God, I'm hurting. You know, God would rather have you be honest with him. Not disrespectful, friends, but honest. Because God knows what we're thinking anyway. The Bible actually says, Jesus said, that 
your heavenly father knows your needs before you ask. Somebody would then say, well, then why even ask at all? Well, because then you know that God is the one that answered your prayer. God is the one that gave it to you. You say, well, if God knows my needs and I ask God to supply those needs, then when that need is met, I go, thank you, Jesus. It wasn't pure luck. It's God. Well, and in a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias. This is what the Lord's talking to him, coming and putting his hand on him so he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered. He said, well, I've heard a lot about this guy. I'm scared to notice It talks about your saints in Jerusalem. As we really look at um, what saints are, we, we know that those are real followers of Christ. Those are committed to Christ. And through your lifestyle, people see Jesus in you. Verse 14, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. But I like this, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Oh, now, wait a minute. Let's review, okay? Going back to chapter 8, he went into houses, breaking them up, tearing stuff up, hauling off men and women to children, uh, 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 men and, and women uh, to prison. But notice God says he's a chosen vessel of mine. What do you see here? You see that God sees things differently than we do. Ananias is saying, Lord, I heard a lot of bad things about him. And God says, no, no, no. I, 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 see it through my eyes. Well, if you're going to say he's a chosen vessel, I can say probably, and I'm asking, well, if he's a vessel, he's a crackpot. But you look at this and realize that God sees things differently than we do. It reminds me of uh, when I read this, it, 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 I kind of flashed back to Gideon down in a hole hiding from the Midianites, threshing grain. And in those days, they would, uh, they would crunch up the, the wheat and everything, and then they would throw it up in the, they'd have a big, like about the size of a hula hoop. And they would stretch an animal skin on it. They'd put the grain on it, and then they would throw it up in the air, and the wind would blow the chaff away, but the heavier wheat would come back down and get caught in the, in the, in the hoop, or in the, in the, in the um, um, thing they were throwing it up in. Well, what's required is wind to blow the chaff away. Where is Gideon in the story when the angel appears to him? He's in a hole in a wine press. And, and he's in this cistern, and you can imagine, it's in the fall of the year, it tells us when it was, and they were throwing this chaff up in the air, well, down in a hole, there's no wind, and so that chaff would probably come down all over you. And I can't imagine being in a sweaty hole, in 100 degree heat, that chaff sticking to you, and getting in your eyes, and burning, and and. and and he was in the hole hiding from the Midianites because when they'd see the grain harvest come in, they'd go, ah, let's go down and steal all their food so we'll have it for this winter and they'll starve to death. And so Gideon is down in a hole hiding from the Midianites, thrashing wheat, and this angel appears and says, thou mighty man of valor. Say what? You got the wrong sister in here, buddy. What does it tell you? 
God sees us differently than we see ourselves. God saw Saul differently than Ananias sees him. My question is, how do you see yourself tonight versus how does God see you tonight? You say, well, I'm a failure. I did this wrong. No, no. Look at the condition that Saul was in at this moment. And yet God says he's a chosen vessel for me. And he's going to use, I'm going to use him to bring the gospel to everybody. Notice. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Now, there's no mention here that Saul spoke in tongues. I think if he had, I think the Bible would have told us that. When Saul got filled with the Holy Spirit, something like scales fell off his eyes. And I think that's important, because you'll find different groups of people around saying, well, the only way you know if you're spirit-filled is if you can speak in tongues. Well, it just says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, but he didn't pray in tongues. It says scales fell off his eyes. So I, what I'm saying is, it, it's it kind of interesting here that if you don't pray in tongues, by the way, and you're spirit-filled, uh, then God's got another gift for you. So don't feel bad about that. Just look and see the gifts that are mentioned there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's a whole bunch of them. One of those are for you. Maybe several. Well, he says... Immediately. It wasn't a long term. It was immediate that God did that. Something like scales. That's weird, isn't it? It doesn't say it was scales. Something like it. And he received his sight, rose and was baptized. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. And Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Wow, you see this change in Saul. All of a sudden, he came to persecute him. Now he's seeking fellowship with him. You don't think that any person is beyond the hand of God. Because a lot of times we think, oh, that person's too far gone. That person's too evil, wicked, terrible, and nasty, and all the bad things he's done. Well, it wasn't too hard for him to change Saul's life. Well, notice verse 20. Now, I like this because we have a couple things here. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he was the Son of God. Now, real quickly here, Jesus was accused several times when he called himself the Son of God. Uh, They call that blasphemous. And there are people that try to say, well, he's just saying he's the Son of God. It doesn't say that he is God. Well, of course, we have other places in the Bible that say he is God. But in those days, in these days, when you said that you were the Son of God... The family relationship was so tight that if you said that you were a son of somebody, you carried the same authority that they did because you were the inheritor. So when somebody would say in those days that you were the son of someone, that carried a tremendous statement. And so he says, immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues. Now, how was he able to do that? Because he just got saved. But you see, He had studied the scriptures. He knew what the Old Testament said. And we remember what Jesus did with the two guys on the road to Emmaus. We remember that he opened the scriptures to them 
and he preached Christ from the beginning. That's why Jesus said, search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life, but they are which testify of me. So what's really amazing here is he didn't go to 10 years of seminary. Immediately he began to do this. Now, I think this is important because a lot of people say, well, you know, after I've been a Christian for like 15, 20 years, then maybe I might, you know, do something for God. Let me just say something. There's something you have right now tonight. If you get saved tonight, there's something you have. And what is that? Your testimony. Nobody can dispute it. You pass from death into life. And maybe your, your testimony isn't, well, you know, I accepted Christ and now I don't smoke, treat, cuss, chew, run around people who do. Or maybe your testimony might be, well, I don't use God in my cuss words anymore. But there's a change. God's began his refining process in your life. Verse 21, then all who heard it were amazed and said, is this not who, the one who destroyed, called, uh, called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? He says, is this not the one who, who caused all this problem? And now look, he's uh, changed sides. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. Notice it says he proved that Jesus was the Christ. You see, when you are well armed with God's word, the Bible says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to decide, divide the flesh from the bone. And that's what God does. And see, that's the thing that people don't realize. The word of God uh, was designed to interact with a man's spirit. Unlike other so-to-call religious books, the Bible is different. The Bible is designed for a specific purpose, and that is to reveal our need for God. So tonight, as we look at this, and God's design is to remind us no one is beyond his salvation. And when we come to Christ, well, first, when we say, God, who are you? Second, what do you want me to do? And I would just encourage you, keep asking that question. What do you want me to do? Because that is going to lead you in the paths that God has for you. That's really important. And so tonight, as we look at this, those people that you think, well, I prayed for my grandma, my grandpa, or whatever, and I know something I ever going to do. Hey, listen. Hmm. God's going to save them. God will reach out to them. God will give them every opportunity to receive him. God will put things in their life, in their way. I remember one time, my parents were after they'd become saved, they were really turned on to the, for the Lord. And um, there was this guy named Red. This was when he lived in California years ago. And my mom said, I want you to know I'm praying for you every night. Now, that's really nice. He actually called her on the phone about a month later and said, stop praying for me. Why? Because God was having those Damascus Road experiences. God was prodding him by his spirit to come to him. The things that he thought were going to go a certain way didn't go that way. And he recognized that it was God's hand in his life 
to bring him into the kingdom of heaven. God's powerful. Never forget that. Pray for your enemies. Do good to those that persecute you. You see, if you only do good to those that love you, what reward is there in that? Jesus said even the heathen do that. Do you know when you pray for people, sometimes even the most obnoxious, the souls in our life, you find God does something great and changes their life. Let's pray. Father, tonight, thank you for your love, for your word. Just ask you, God, that your Holy Spirit would remind us to pray. What would you have us do, God? And so we ask you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and remind us the work you've begun in us, you're going to finish it. That's not by accident. It's by divine appointment. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.